0: All right, Jordan, you ready to get this episode going? Let's do it. This is Mythologos. My name, as you guys should know by now, is Mason. Jordan? Oh, no.
1: going out of denial is a process and i think this show shows that
0: what we find with a lot of these characters is that it ends up being love that kind of challenges the way that they're in denial There he is. He's coming back. Don't worry, guys. We will be talking about a show that is near and dear to our hearts. It's mm-hmm. probably top five show for me. No more farts this time No more around. farts, guys. But we did get an email Ooh. on the topic of farts. Strike that. <laughs> uh, and remember, guys, our email is mythologashow at gmail.com. Uh, and we got our first kind of response email. With the subject, a timeless theological question. Mm. And it says, hello, boys, it has come to my attention that I must ask this dire question. Mm. How many farts are in your theme song?
1: Ah.
0: Thank you and go with Christ, Josh. Wow. My breather. Important question from Jordan's brother. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there are, there's none. (laughs) There's a no. I, th- I think Josh is referring to our last episode, episode one, where we talked about Swiss Army Man. Let's cut to a clip. Farts become bigger than what they are because of the taboo. <gasps> but uh, yeah, so there was farts, I guess, throughout that episode, but none in our theme song. So True. no farts for you guys today. Trivia. Uh, we did also. A, On top of episode one, we had episode zero where we kind of talked about what this show is. So if you guys are confused what's going on, you could check that out. Here's a clip.
1: Real grace can only exist in real reality.
0: Uh, And also follow us wherever you want, wherever you follow. Wherever
1: you go. Wherever you go, follow us. (laughs) Wherever the Lord leads ye.
0: We've got all of these places where we are. I'm just making a lot. We're making a lot Our, of work for me in
1: the editing. Thanks. To
0: start it out. Um, Future Mason. But let's not waste any more time, you guys. Ooh, we're talking about don't the have leftovers. Time for this shit. And as the tagline of the show says, it's not about meatloaf. <laughs> it's about
1: mythologue. ass Talking about <laughs> leftovers. I'll, I'll edit that one out. Yeah, no, that'll be. Not in we'll, the
0: show. Uh, We'll rely on handy-dandy Rotten Tomatoes Ooh. to tell us what the show is about. So this is what it says. In a global cat- cataclysm, the sudden departure, 140 million people disappeared without a trace. Three years later, residents of Mapleton, New York, try to maintain equilibrium when the notion of normal no longer applies. Intense grief has divided families and turned faith to cynicism, paranoia, and madness, leading some of the traumatized to join join the guilty remnant, a cult-like group. Mm. Kevin Garvey, a beleaguered police chief, must keep peace between townspeople and the cult, a task made tougher with concern about his kids. His daughter alternates between apathy and rebellion, and his wayward son befriends a charismatic prophet. Mm. And uh, there's a lot more to the show than just that, but I, I think that's that gives us the premise, at least, which is basically like two percent of the world disappears yeah which is interesting because like i don't know for us as christians like there's the concept of the rapture Mm -hmm. and there's just other like i don't know like alien invasions where like people disappear like that's kind of a a notion within pop culture yeah so it's like nothing in this society of the leftovers is like completely back to the stone age
1: yeah it's not like the walking dead or something where it's like oh we got to create civilizations again or something. so it's
0: not like really a post-apocalyptic setting but mm-hmm. it is like if if that many people disappear like if millions of people just disappeared it kind of just shakes everything you know about the world
1: yeah and yourself
0: yeah and so that's what this book is happening like that's what this show is doing is like exploring how these people handle that mm-hmm. and it's actually it's from a book based on 9-11 yeah and it, it's similar in the sense of like you know, it's not like the whole world had to change after nine eleven, but much of American life and like how America Americans viewed things and like it our did change some things. Yeah, like it was sure. it was an event where like there it was tragic enough yeah. that you kind of have to reevaluate. And so out
1: lot. of nowhere, like yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. It's like you go to war with someone or something, and then there's a huge battle in a war, and it's like that's devastating. Yeah. But it's like when it literally just kind of comes out of nowhere and is like extreme, like instant loss of a good amount of, like a high amount of people. It's just like, yeah. Yeah. Makes you stop and think. This season,
0: season one is the book. Yeah. And then we have seasons two and three, which are, it's developed by uh, Damon Lindelof, who did Lost. That's what he's probably most famous for. But also the author, Tom Parada, did help out with the following two seasons. So it's kind of cool because maybe that's, like, him exploring the story beyond the book that he got to write. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's probably fulfilling in that way for him. But yeah, but honestly, I think season one is, like, not as good <laughs> as the other two seasons.
1: I, is, yeah, I make it... Like, I wonder if he had, had thoughts of, like, wanting to continue it. Right. But.
0: I think, like, for me, season one is, like, pretty... Uh, bleak in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and like a lot of the characters as we'll explore today like they're going through they're going through journeys that have movement but they all feel like pretty aimless at times yeah and that can just be hard to
1: watch yeah but I feel like the other two seasons aren't as meaningful if you don't dive into this first one
0: yeah like you kind of need to sit with the characters as they go through this stuff Mm -hmm. in order for like the more interesting kind of things to be more impactful along the way. Um, But the other thing that we need to mention is like what the show really is about because Mm -hmm. when it starts out with like the... the, It's called The Sudden Departure. Yeah. It starts out with that happening and you would think that like maybe it'd be like a mystery show or people being like, let's figure out how do we get those people back or where'd they go? And people are asking those questions, but the... Damon Lindelof he said like don't watch the show expecting to figure out the answers. Yeah. Which is like kind of a lesson that he learned while making Lost because mm-hmm. Lost was a was a mystery kind of show mm-hmm. and then people didn't like the answers <laughs> at the end. And so he kind of felt like like let's more focus on the characters and what they're going through mm-hmm. and that'll be what's interesting about the show. Yeah. And so in that way we've We kind of feel like the show overall is about grief. And that might be obvious because it's like, you know, dealing with the fallout of what happened. Mm. But there's also like kind of a more specific way that we're going to analyze grief through the show. And season one, we've got a lens
1: for that. The overall kind of way that a lot of these characters are responding to everything that's happened is denial. Yep. And they do that in different ways. And we're going to talk about how we're gonna we'll kind of share how each character kind of progresses in the season
0: seasons two and three we'll probably go more like follow the plot <coughs> because like mm-hmm. the way it develops is really interesting but since we're focusing on grief here and and denial i think it's more uh it makes more sense to kind of just go character by character yeah because they're all handling what's happening to them in somewhat different ways. Mm-hmm. So that's how this episode's gonna go. Season one of The Leftovers. We will, here's a little disclaimer there's a guy named Matt Jameson. He's a regular. He actually has, each season, he has like a a standalone episode. Yeah. And those are some of the best. And since those kind of deal directly with, like, evangelical Christian Mm -hmm. faith, pretty, uh, like, spot on. Yeah. We want to maybe save that for a later episode. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to get too much into Matt's character. He's a Uh, great character, though. He's one of my favorite characters. We'll have to at some point. True. But we'll start with the main guy, Kevin Garvey Jr. What? Hot. (laughs) Hot or not? Hot. He's hot. That's like that's kind of a joke in the series, like how good looking he is, but also like I don't know. It just stands out to you like that's the first thing you notice. He looks good. But what he's he's not really concerned with that. That's not his character, Rick. He's
1: not concerned about how hot he is. Yeah. I'm just so hot all the time. I'm in denial of my hot. Am I hot? Or not?
0: What he is in denial about is whether or not he's going crazy because same thing he's a junior so there's a kevin garvey senior who was the police chief before junior became police chief junior and i think it was like a little bit after the departure where his dad just like goes crazy and like runs (laughs) naked through the streets as one does and like for this at least in season one of the show he's in an asylum because of that yeah and kevin is starting to experience some of those things like he's he's like like the big thing in the beginning is he's questioning like whether or not he put toast in the toaster or something it's kind of funny but he's also like he's going on these like escapades like in the middle of the night where he's like shooting dogs with a guy and like
1: No dogs were harmed in the making of season one.
0: It's pretty, like, bizarre, like, what's happening to him. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to fight that. And, like, basically he's in denial of that being the case. Yeah. But that is actually kind of, like, the plot version of what he's dealing with. Like, the, yeah. it's kind of a cover for yeah,
1: it's him. Like a red herring, almost.
0: Yeah, like, it's more like, is how active is he in his own life? And, like, whether or not he's a good person. Mm-hmm because for a lot of it, like you see his relationship with his daughter and he's kind of not very involved in her life. Doesn't talk to her much. And like, he's the police chief. So he's like dealing with a lot of like responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And it seems like that's how he feels like his time instead of like dealing with his problems yeah, is like, just like, I've got all these things. Like there's an episode where he has to find a baby Jesus (laughs) and it's like this big deal because yeah. someone stole it from the nativity scene. Right. But like that's it shouldn't be a big deal, but like <laughs> even something like that is like taking up his time. Yeah. And like Don't one steal of the things Jesus guys. One of the important things uh, towards the end of the season was to get, we get a flashback episode. Yeah. And I remember first watching it and thinking it wasn't it didn't add that much because it's like right before the finale. Yeah. And it kind of interrupts the cliffhanger with the episode before and like it just felt like it halted the momentum. Yeah. But I think when I watched it the second time with you, like I, I realized it's providing context for basically what that episode is saying is like all these people that are on these journeys, yeah, prior to the departure, they were already headed that direction. Yeah. And so in the the flashback episode, we see Kevin has like this perfect life with his family, they're all together and like a nice house and career and everything. At the same time, he's still like, he doesn't know if he's doing those things just because that's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And like, is it really fulfilling him? And he ends up, it's kind of crazy because he ends up like cheating on his wife and like the departure <laughs> happens mid adulthood. And that's uh, super weird to <laughs> kind of conceptualize that. But, Yeah, so, like, basically, that's, like, what's happening with him is, like, he's trying to figure out, is he actually a good person or is he just doing these things because, like, he's supposed to do them? Yeah. And is he going crazy or not? I think part of that changes when he meets the next character. We'll talk about Nora Durst.
1: Yeah. So, she ended up losing her husband and two children. Yeah. Which is, like, super rare in the scheme of, like, the random chance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just loses them like one morning when it happened. They're all just in the kitchen there with her and then they're just yeah. gone. And so she kind of takes on this role of like the town crier in a way where yeah. like a lot of people have pity or sympathy for her, but like some people admire her. It depends on like how the people... Had kind of reacted to everything as this show kind of shows with cults and religious thoughts and all these other things about it, but like come to find that she is ends up working for like this. They make the government makes this new come or not company. What was I saying? Department. This department called the Depart Department of Sudden Departures, the DSD, and essentially throughout the show and with Nora, she's tasked with like meeting with people that had lost someone in the departure and asking them like a long series of questions, really personal and kind of invasive questions as part of it to see if like the person actually like did depart or something, but also kind of to see if the government can find like patterns of ways to solve what happened or whatever is going on. But to also then like, if it was legit or something, they would like comment, like like reimburse them like money for like their lost kind right. of like a reprimand or, or not uh reparation yeah not reprimand. but then she kind of goes to this conference in new york because of her work and she's going to speak there and things happen there that kind of reveal more of how she's actually really searching for this empathy and she's kind of putting off her pain and like is in denial of it, but really she wants someone to feel this. And at the conference, there's like this guy that wrote this book, and his whole thing about the book was like, How I Got Through My Pain. For Nora, she's like, He realized, she realizes that he's like full of shit. Okay. Cause it's like, if you really went through what I went through or lost someone like you would not just be able to just move on. So he kind of calls him out on his lie and it's like, it intensifies her pain even more. And so it kind of compels her. She finds these people that lead her to a character. We're going to talk about soon named Holy Wayne. And apparently she meets him and apparently he can take away people's pain with just a hug. (laughs) It's that's not the, bad. That's what they say. And so she hugs him and it seems that for a time she kind of did have some of her pain taken away. Yeah. But as the kind of the season progresses, it seems like it was maybe more of just a band aid or a temporary fix right? or like an enhancement of the denial. You could maybe even say that she wasn't really getting into like what she really is suffering from and everything that she's doing with her work at the DSD and all these other things are just kind of, blanketing like her being able to deal with her struggles so
0: yeah she just wants someone to have that experience with yeah and not necessarily to get better and then she and like w- we'll just mention real quick that her and kevin become uh an item because basically they're both like getting divorced yeah she's getting divorced to her husband who disappeared yeah and Kevin's getting divorced to his wife that left him for a cult, and so a strange. I think that's w- that's part of why they like what attracts him to her. Yeah, there's
1: like a shared ridiculousness to the yeah. suffering,
0: right? And so that's what that's where they head. But we'll get more into how that plays out mm-hmm. later on, because speaking of the person that Kevin is getting divorced by. Her name is Lori, mm-hmm. his first wife. Um, she's interesting because like she she kind of comes across, I think, in season one as not very likable because yeah. she left her family to join this cult known as the guilty remnant. Yeah. They're like the big, the main cults of the show. Big boy. There's a lot of cults, but they're the main one. Yes. Yeah. Um, and she prior to the departure, she was basically like she was a therapist. Mm-hmm. And so I think what we noticed is, like, she kind of needs, like, a structure that, like, has, like, defined rules and everything Yeah, in order for her to feel, like, a sense of safety maybe because therapists, like, have very strict, you know, codes of conduct and, like, the way they go about their process is, like, very clear and delineated. And so after the departure happens, she ends up leaving her family and, like, joins this cult where they like dress all in white and Mm -hmm. smoke and like do all these particular things that seem like there's no reason to them. But like that in a way, like having rules Mm -hmm. is important when like the rules of physics don't make sense anymore. Like people can't just disappear. Yeah. But if you have like a rule, like a way to kind of outline how life is process. Yeah. That kind of helps you just like, deal with that cognitive dissonance i think mm-hmm. i think that's what's going on in, inside of her is like yeah she's using belief as a form of denial yeah and so she's pretty and it's kind of interesting cuz she's really resolute in that like yeah and that's stays pretty consistent all the way until the end mm-hmm. uh which we'll get into in a bit but basically yeah i think it's what we find with a lot of these characters is that it ends up being love for others and like their family and stuff that kind of challenges the way that they're in denial. Yeah. And that is true of the next character we're going to talk about, which is her son.
1: Tommy is Lori's son and from a different husband or different father. But we're introduced to Tommy in an interesting way because he is out with his own cult. And it's like we discover that he's kind of there and the compound's main Jesus, if yeah, you like will, the prophet. is Holy Wayne. Yeah. There's Holy Wayne and there's like these people that are coming to him because the whole thing is, as mentioned before, he can hug the pain away apparently so there's like senators or like all these other people that are like it's kind of like hush hush but they like come to try to take have their pain taken away by hugging him and all this Mm -hmm. thing but we find out that kind of early on that Tommy's kind of a selfish believer like he's there and it seems to give him kind of a purpose but like he doesn't really seem to believe that wayne can maybe do what he does because he like he refuses to have like receive a hug from wayne yeah and i
0: think he has to believe to some extent because
1: i mean he wouldn't have joined
0: yeah but it's like he doesn't want to hug him because he doesn't want to test that belief
1: but in terms of what happens is there's all of these like almost like this harem of women that are there and it's particularly like asian women and he is there and it seems that things are going relatively okay. But then the government comes in and like tries to just literally goes and kills them all. Yeah. And so when that's happening, Wayne tasks Tommy to take care of this one girl named Christine, because she is pregnant with Holy Wayne's son or daughter yeah. child. But apparently this child, according to Wayne is like special and right. is like Holy and like a, supposed to fulfill Kobe some kind of prophecy or something. Yeah. So there's like high like priority on that. So they have to escape. And so Tommy's whole thing is that throughout the season he's like protecting Christine and they're kind of on the run, going from place to place. Comes to find out towards the end of the season that Wayne is like a fraud. It goes back to what Tommy believed uh or was thinking earlier, which was like okay, Maybe this person's legit, but at least thinking that he's legit feels better and allows me to stay in this kind of delusional denial, like I have a purpose yeah. instead of diving into like reality and maybe maybe he can't do it, maybe you can't. But the pain of whatever might happen after that mm-hmm. isn't worth diving into. Yeah. So he kind of gets thrown into this stuff. And then there's something that happens towards the very end, which we'll talk about that leads to movement forward for him but
0: right yeah so i think other than there's there's a lot of other like side characters mm-hmm. i think maybe it's important to kind of analyze for a little bit like the the main cult as a organization yeah because they're basically like the antagonists yeah and they're they're called the guilty remnant the person in charge her name is patty she's like in, I think in season one it's you can't really tell but you come to find out she's basically in charge of like the mapleton Mm -hmm. chapter and like there's other the guilty remnants kind of spread out yeah but um their whole kind of philosophy is it's kind of like making people stay in their grief yeah and like it's uh, in a way it's it's the antidote to denial
1: yeah
0: um where it's like they're trying to get people to remember mm-hmm.
1: the people that have disappeared in like in an extreme way yeah
0: <laughs> like they're they're just uh, like one they're like the they call themselves like living reminders mm. so like you see them standing around in their their white clothes and like just smoking like yeah. that you see that a lot throughout the season yeah and like that in itself is an effective way to make people remember cuz it's like mm. You know what those people are about. Yeah, it's basically like when you see like a religious group like holding a sign on a corner. Yeah, yeah. Like they're accomplishing their goal because they're making you think about what it is mm-hmm. that they're whatever
1: to. they want to communicate. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so that's what they're doing, and I think it's interesting because they—it's kind of like the classic villain, where it's like the villain has a point, but they're just doing it badly. Thanos
1: did nothing wrong. <laughs>
0: like to some extent, it is important that you like remember and like not just try to be in denial and forget yeah. the thing that caused your grief. Yeah. But like also you can't really force that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of this show is about is like grief yeah. happens and like there's no way to really control how it's going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, And you can't really put a lot of judgment and like restraints on that process, I think.
1: It's, I think it's interesting and we can talk maybe a little bit more about it towards the end, but like grief in the sense of how do you respond to someone else that's in grief? You yeah. know, like, are you intrusive about it in the in a healthy way or in a right. destructive way? And this cult seems to definitely do anything that they do in a destructive way, yeah. Even if they think it's the right thing to do,
0: and also, and that's interesting because I think also all these main characters, you know, they're in denial in different ways, and no one's really helping them in a healthy
1: way. Like, yeah,
0: no one really has each other's back necessarily, mm-hmm. and that's why it feels like they're all very aimless. Yeah. And that we can kind of go into how the season wraps up now, because Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's where when we get to the season finale, that's where we're starting. Where like Kevin, like he's kind of at the peak of his like paranoia because yeah, he's taken Patty, the leader of the guilty (laughs) remnant, into the like the middle of the woods, yeah, and like basically where we coming to find he had kind of been going
1: out at night
0: and like he like he comes to like realizing she's like he's interrogating her with this dog killer guy <laughs> and uh she ends up like killing herself yeah and it's pretty shocking and she's basically she dies kind of with the whole like restating her premise of like i want you to remember and understand like why i did this and why like you can't just move past what happened mm-hmm. and then kevin makes it back to mapleton but on the way he actually comes across holy wayne who like we i think you kind of expect him to be more of a villain yeah. than he was yeah because yeah. he's like this cold leader and he's he's a prophet kind of figure mm-hmm. but he ends up just like dying in a bathroom <laughs>
1: a bathroom stall at a yeah. diner
0: like it seems <laughs> like he was shot or something yeah and I think his end is interesting because he's just talking to Kevin and he seems like not necessarily remorseful, but he's like, he, he, I don't remember the wording, but he, he wants to, to believe that what he did had an impact. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting because you, you assume that he's just in it to like sleep with these yeah. women or like yeah. get money and stuff. Yeah. But it also seems like, Maybe he even believed his own
1: delusion a little bit. Or at least liked the idea of either selfishly of like wanting to feel important or maybe full of compassion that he enjoyed being able to like make people feel better or something, take away their pain.
0: Right. And, and then meanwhile we have uh, in Mapleton, Jill, Kevin and uh, Lori's daughter Mm -hmm. has joined the guilty remnant. Yeah. And it's kind of it's like it's kind of funny because it's like a twist on the like rebellious teen, yeah. Where it's like she's rebelling by like joining what her mom is doing, yeah. And Lori doesn't really know how to feel about that. But then, yeah. what the guilty remnant does, and like what they've been building up to this whole season, is like making these like replicas of all the people <laughs> that have disappeared. And like they hire this company Whoa. to do that, and then like when people come home, like we have a scene where Nora comes home, yeah, and like her family, her husband and kids are like at the table again. These dolls like, are so creepy, man. It's like really uncanny and it's, like unsettling. <laughs>
1: uh. But
0: uh, so that that when people when the guilty remnant does that, that's like Mapleton's last straw. Like yeah. people go and like burn their headquarters and stuff. Yeah. And Jill is in like every they're all trying to escape, but Jill gets kind of stuck in that building. Yeah. And that's when we have like Kevin and Lori come face to face, and Lori finally says her first word of the season. Yeah. Which is Jill. And that's like I think that's a statement on like how she was so resolute in her beliefs, but when her family was in danger, like mm-hmm. that was enough for her to kind of snap out of it. Mm-hmm. And then Kevin goes and saves Jill. And, like, and then it seems like, you know, that's, there's a little bit of hope there. But I think yeah. it's interesting because the show, the season kind of ends with, like, Nora coming. Basically, she's going to go to the Garvey's house. Yeah. Because she's been dating Kevin a little bit. And yeah. the relationship was okay. But yeah. when she found out, like, what he was doing, like. Yeah. It kind of
1: just threw her into this. She freaked out. Yeah idea of like oh shoot this person's probably just gonna leave like my family did right or it was like she was finally kind of like opening up like you said to someone that it seemed like as you watch like maybe she'll finally dive into like the pain of her family leaving yeah. but then everything that Kevin is going through like she can kind of see it and it's almost like a traumatic response yeah uh, it's like oh I'll, I'm gonna this is like the similar pain or the the path to that similar pain again. I got to get out of here because she's in denial. She like, she doesn't want to confront any kind of pain. Yeah. So she's about to leave. She writes this note and everything. She goes to the Garvey's house and is going to leave it there. And then bail. She has like her bags packed and everything. Yeah. But we come to find.
0: Yeah. That note, she, it's kind of like being read like in a voiceover too, like where she's explaining basically that, that like she, she doesn't think she can handle moving past her loss and Mm -hmm. like she can't handle interacting with other people and stuff. And then, so she's going to drop that note off. And then on her porch or on the Garvey's porch is a baby.
1: And it is the baby of Holy Wayne and Christine. Yeah. The girl that Tommy was, that was
0: like really messed up because like, (laughs) Christine has the baby and yeah. then she's pretty hopeless because she thought like which she was is special. Interesting.
1: I just realized this. Like she had the baby in a bathroom. St- no, she had it in the bathtub, uh, but she drops off the, she leaves the in baby the bath- in the bathroom. bathroom. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of interesting because Holy Wayne dies in a bathroom. Right. And the baby is like essentially born. She isn't born, but it's like the baby's journey, at least with Tommy and like going somewhere in a bathroom. Yeah. Which is interesting, I guess.
0: Which so yeah, Tommy. After Christine leaves, he gives he brings the baby back to
1: because she bails on him.
0: Yeah, she the drop he off. brings <laughs> the baby to his dad's. Just drops drops the baby off, probably just thinking they can take. He care trusts her. his dad to yeah. be able to do the right thing. Yeah, and Tommy kind of just wants a fresh start because yeah. everything like he really has nothing at that point. Yeah. And I think he feels like shame and stuff. He can't really go back to his family. Yeah. But then he ends up coming across his mom Mm -hmm. and they're both like kind of in a fresh start place, which is cool. We'll see more of that in season two. Yeah. But yeah. So Nora sees the baby on the porch and like picks it up and is like taking care of it. And then that's when Kevin and Jill show up and she's basically just like, look what I found or something. (laughs) Yeah. And like, That that's kind of how the season ends, and like, it's not really much Mm -hmm. in terms of like it's not a big statement or anything. Yeah, but it gives you a sense of like, there's always a reason to be able to hope for something. Yeah, even when like most of the world and most of your life seems like you've got nothing going for you. Yeah, like there's always something. I think. Yeah, is basically what that is saying at the end.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting too (sighs) because. Like, we all suffer in different ways in life, and we all go through like the traumatic events, big or small loss or death, loss of a friend, loss of work, loss of a relationship. And I know I've been in denial about a lot of different things throughout my life, but it's like it's interesting how, like, the longer you stay in that denial. Or choose to try to like push off things or never dive into your pain like the harder it is to ever have hope or like to feel like hope can exist or be real yeah and for at least at the end of this season it almost seems like for them it took like death and rebirth in a way Mm -hmm. almost like it almost seemed like they needed a fresh start for them to feel like like they almost had to go to a a mode of themselves where it felt like it was before what happened. Uh And I, I know that for me in my life, I've kind of had those moments. Like I, most of last year I was living in New York and when I came back, it was kind of like a fresh start for me. And I was able to like enter into a world that I was familiar with and knew, but like it was a restart of that. And that kind of rekindled hope or like feeling like, okay, like, you don't have to go back to where you were or what pain was. Yeah.
0: And I think that that's kind of where, like, that's why I think the way the season ends works Mm -hmm. because sometimes you see, like, I remember like there's the trope of like, like you can go through whatever, but like it always has to point back to Jesus Mm -hmm. and like, you can write, like, a song that's, like, depressing, but as long as you point to God at some point.
1: Or, like, the classic Easter, like, Good Friday service and it's, yeah. like, really somber and sad. And they're like, but Sunday's right. coming. Make yeah. sure you don't feel sad. And it's, like, we're afraid to stay in pain. Uh-huh. And it's, like, we're afraid to, like, allow, lament, like, laments or lamentations or, like, things like that to be real because we think that if we're in pain that somehow that, then equally means that we don't trust God or something or right. that we, we don't think that he's good or we don't think that he can fix something or whatever or we're lack of faith. But really I think it's a more healthy and stronger view of God because you're like, okay, this does suck and I am in pain. It's like, but I trust that like you will meet me here in it uh-huh. and like sit with me in it.
0: And right. I think, yeah, like the show pulls that off in a convincing way because it's not like all the problems are fixed right. at the end. Or right. like, it's more so like it's not like most of these characters are still in denial, yeah. I think, at the end. It's yeah. just that they all have a different avenue now to be able to progress through that. Yeah. So it's like th- there's the acknowledgement that like there's still a long way to go in the journey. Yeah. And it's just like... It's basically like a don't give up Mm -hmm. just yet. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is more accurate when you're experiencing grief.
1: Yeah.
0: It's like, it's a lot like you you could just, you could easily say like, you know, oh, like things are a lot worse for other people. Mm -hmm. So like, I shouldn't feel as bad about my life. Yeah. But like, that doesn't really, that's not accurate to the experience of grief. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and like how it actually feels yeah and i think that you know the idea that there is a way out of it mm-hmm. even if you don't know it yet is a bit more honest about yeah. how grief feels
1: and it's interesting that whenever these characters in this show interact with one another in a healthy way in a good way actual like healing yeah That at least the process of it the journey right. of it starts to you can see it start to like walk down that path yeah and it's like man if only they did that more in the show and i think at least for me and for a takeaway i think not only like accepting that going out of denial is a process Mm -hmm. and i think this show shows that but it's also like having hope and having healing is a process in and of itself so that
0: is basically season one of the leftovers it's pretty good but very season, seasons, seasons two and three are great. I think season two is like a top three season of a show for me. It's incredible. So I'm very excited for that one. That'll be our next episode, guys. Mm-hmm. But until then, Mythlogos. Logging on.